Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from our Torque Senior Leadership. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. Father, we thank you so much for Pastor Tony, for his word this morning on the power of the Holy Spirit and the necessity, Lord, to understand, Lord, who he is as a person in our life. Now we in your words that they would fill our hearts, find that space, Lord. Lord, let it be rooted so that, Lord, it can produce the fruit that you have called it to bear in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, we didn't applaud you when you came up. Can you do it again? Because they're pressing record right now. Thank you. Don't do that. My God, to get me in trouble with God. Uh, a lot of saints aren't aware that it's it's actually Pentecost today, and so fifty days after Passover, or. 50 days after the, uh, the resurrection of Jesus. So it's a significant um, feast. Remember, um, Israel had seven major feasts that they would conduct on a yearly basis. And uh, the, the highlight of the festive festivities was, of course, the Passover, where atonement was made uh, by the... Passover lamb for the uh, for the atonement of the sins of God's people, and of course, John the Baptist made it very clear that um, the Lamb of God is Jesus, who takes away all of the world's sins. So all of those Old Testament sacrificial. Um, sacrifices were actually a type of the ultimate sacrifice which is Jesus and uh, unfortunately not many Israelites or Jews have had that revelation Uh, that will soon change as the end draws near but being um, Pentecost Sunday actually Pentecost is on a Saturday it's a Sabbath that they celebrated on. I don't know if you've noticed any any of the Jew, Jewish brethren in your area. They go to the synagogue Friday evening, and it's a big deal. Today, when we were leaving our home, um, there were quite a few around the synagogue near our place just before sunset. They, they pray again, and they commit to the Lord what they believed was the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. So 50 days after they came out from Egypt, God got them to Mount Sinai and he spoke from the mountain and he gave them the Ten Commandments. And so that was the first Pentecost. Unfortunately, when Moses came down from the mountain, he found the people in idolatry. They built that golden calf And if you remember the story, 3,000 Israelites died because God had to judge them for their idolatry. 
and as a redemptive kind of act uh, in the book of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples can anyone remember how many people got saved about 3,000 so when the law is given 3,000 die but when the spirit is given 3,000 live so which one would you rather <laughs> I know I'd, I'd rather uh, you know the spirit Je Jesus we're told of Jesus by the, the apostle John the law was given through Moses but grace and truth came the law is given it's like here here's some instructions distance but grace and truth comes gets close it's personal do you get, do you get what I'm saying so just this evening, just to maybe give you guys a refresher or maybe you won't, you've never heard these teachings before, but um, I, I want to explain to everyone that the Holy Spirit indwelling us is possibly the greatest gift you could ever be given. Now, I know eternal life is great, but having... God Almighty indwelling us. I don't think there's anything greater than that. To, to quote the Apostle Peter, he says that we are partakers of the divine nature. Now, back when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, they conversed with God face to face. But they weren't one with God. They were free moral agents. They had choice and God created them that way. God created the angels that way. Angels have choice. And as you know, most scholars believe that angels use that choice to rebel against God. There's no redemption for angels. Okay, but an angel, an angel of God can be a holy angel. In other words, they're separated unto God's work. But an angel does not have the spirit of God. They are created by God. And so this is why Paul makes it very clear, don't fall into the worship of angels. They're servants, they're ministers of God and of the redeemed. In fact, in Revelation, when John wants to bow down and worship the angel that's giving him the revelation, the angel stops him and he says, don't do that. Worship God. I'm like you. I'm part of the prophetic um, group. A lot of people believe that the angel that was giving John the vision, the revelation, was Enoch. Okay, I'll talk about that in my seminar when it comes up. Because angel means messenger. It doesn't mean this winged creature all the time. Okay, so what I want to bring out this evening is, as I brought out this in this morning's service, um, when, when the Lord was conversing with Adam and Eve, when, when God created Adam and he breathed into him, 
the breath of life, many believers feel that was the Spirit of God because the word for breath in the Hebrew is the same word for spirit. But I don't believe that's true. I believe he gave Adam life like he gave all the rest of the, the animals life, but he had, Adam had a higher form of life because he was, in, he was made in God's image and likeness. He could communicate with God directly at God's level. Okay? It wasn't like a dolphin or a whale. You know, they have communication. They're, they're intelligent, but not as intelligent as humans are. And that's not because that we evolved. We were created that way. God creates Adam on day number six, and he's talking to him and having deep conversations the same day. But God's Holy Spirit was not indwelling Adam. God's spirit of life was. And the reason why I say that is God in his infinite wisdom had to bring his son who was anointed by the Holy Spirit and then broken at the cross to be able to pour that same Holy Spirit out on all flesh. There's a significance in Christ the Spirit being in Jesus when he was crucified. You remember when Jesus began his ministry, he was baptized in water. And as he came up out of the water, what happened? The Holy Spirit from the Father descended on him in the form of a dove. And then a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, you may not know this, but a lot of the tradition of the rabbis, when they talk about when God gave the commandments from Sinai, they say that everyone heard God speak in their own language. Again, not many people know this, but it wasn't just Israelites that came out of Egypt. Moses says that a mixed multitude left Egypt. In other words, whoever joined themselves to the Lord and believed the promises that Moses was speaking and the judgments that Moses was speaking, they also put blood on the lentils of their doors and windows and they were also part of that company that came out. And like today in the United States, there's every walk and every talk and every kind of race in the nation and it was similar back then Egypt was a world power and many people would go there to live because living was the standard was much better than most other places so Moses describes that a mixed multitude came out but when they were at the foot of the mountain everybody heard God's ten commandments in their own native tongue was there somewhere in the New Testament that, ha that that happened? Same thing at Pentecost. There were Jews from all over the world, Arabia, Africa, Europe, Greece, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Syria. And they all heard the apostles and the disciples praising God in their native tongues. 
But it's interesting because the word that they use to describe God's voice is a coo, like a dove. You know, a cooing of a dove, you know, coo, coo, coo. So the rabbis traditionally say when God began to speak, it was like the cooing of a dove. This is what happened when Jesus was baptised. The Father spoke and, he, and the Spirit comes upon Jesus in the form of a dove and then the Father speaks. Now we will never understand what that cooing sound is lest the Holy Spirit give us understanding. But I believe the apostles weren't waiting in that upper room aimlessly. See, they were familiar with the Feast of Pentecost. And if you recall, Jesus was appearing off and on for 40 days after he was resurrected. Okay? He appeared to Mary Magdalene first, then Peter, then Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. Then he appears to the apostles when they're in the upper room and alone. Remember, Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I put my hand in his side and see the, hand, hand, the nail marks in his hands. And, God, and the Lord rebuked him. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are they who believe and don't see. That's you and me. Then Paul says he appeared to over 500 individuals at one time. And then like a, like a baby born out of time, he says, last he appeared to me. Paul was an eyewitness. He saw the risen Christ. That's why in his letter to the Corinthians, he says, am I not free? Am I not an Israelite? Have I not seen Jesus Christ the Lord? In fact, he refers to seeing Jesus as part of an apostolic requirement. Back then, not so much now. Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? He was saying like the other apostles saw him. Why am I telling you this? The apostles were told to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes. It was on the 40th day that the Lord met the disciples on the top of the Mount of Olives. And, you know, Pastor and I have been there. She's been there, I think, three times. As you go up the Mount of Olives, there's the Garden of Gethsemane. If you keep going up the Mount of Olives, you reach Bethany at the top. And it's right about there where the Lord ascended into heaven on the 40th day after his resurrection. So when he commands them to go back to Jerusalem and wait, they knew that Pentecost, pente meaning five, or it's 10 times five, Pentecost, they knew there was only 10 days left to the Feast of Pentecost. So they weren't waiting aimlessly, but it was during that time of waiting that you could imagine what was going on in their minds. They didn't know 
that Jesus was not coming back like he did and he, like he was appearing off and on for that 40-day period. So they went back expecting Jesus to show up again, but what did the Lord do? He sends a spirit. And according to the parable, you know, the master of the house had to leave for an extended amount of time before he comes back to ask the vine dressers how his vineyard is going. So in that period of time when they were waiting, they had to elect the replacement for Judas. The first thing on their agenda was who replaces Judas. And like many believers today who do not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, they took a vote. They took a lot, a lottery literally. They picked two guys and they put their names into a hat and they prayed and they said, Lord, whoever comes out of the hat first, he's the, he's the apostle that's going to replace Judas. God allowed that until the Holy Spirit came. See, after the Holy Spirit came, they no longer took votes or lots. And unfortunately, many churches still are run democratically and not theocratically. An appointment to a leadership position is not given by popular vote. It's given by a call from God. A call that becomes personal first, public next. And your concept of who a leader should be has got nothing to do with it. It's who God says a leader should be. So many argue whether Matthias, who was elected, was truly ordained by God. I believe he was because God allowed it because they didn't have the, ins the Holy Spirit indwelling them. He died a martyr like every other apostle. Okay, so there's no disputing about Matthias' apostleship. He saw the Lord. He was there with the disciples from the beginning. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like to be the replacement of a betrayer. So that was already a pretty negative start for Brother Matthias. All right? The important thing I want to leave you tonight, because I know that Pastor Nate wants to come up, You can be born again, a work by the Holy Spirit is done when you're born again and you can still not have the Spirit indwelling you. Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, what do you mean born again? Do I go back into my mother's womb and start all over again? And the Lord said, he hit him with another confusing statement. He says, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was totally out of his 
out of his range here. And Jesus, he was, Jesus marveled. He said, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these basic things? What if I start telling you heavenly things? That's going to really shake your tree. What was Jesus saying? He was saying that regeneration is a work of the Spirit and you don't know who the Holy Spirit's going to regenerate next. That person that's persecuting in you in your job or in your family may be God's next choice. It certainly was the case with Saul. Jesus said, it's like the wind. The Holy Spirit operates like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. So it is with the Spirit. You don't know who the Holy Spirit's going to touch next. And this is why there's so much confusion about the third person of the Godhead. He can't be as predictable as the other two. Because only the Father knows what goes on in a man's heart and soul. Only the Father knew that Saul of Tarsus was going to be one of the greatest apostle, apostle of all time. But when he was persecuting the church, I guarantee you would have thought that was the least person that God was going to save. See, the difference is when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he dwells in us. He lives in us. This is the difference. Adam didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. King David didn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. He was with him. He was anointed by him. He was protected by him, but he wasn't in him. The anointing would come and the anointing would go. The Holy Spirit could not be given to live in people until Jesus died. The veil had to be ripped open for the Holy Spirit to be released to come and indwell us. The blood had to be shed so that our spirits could be cleansed and then God could make his dwelling in us. Paul says it this way, he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Did you catch that? Dr. Robin really gives a beautiful example, tea water. When a, when a bag of tea is diffused in that hot water mixture, once that liquid goes dark with the tea infusion, you can never separate it again. Get that? That's why it's imperative to have the Holy Spirit come upon us and indwell us. And that is only possible if you're blood washed. Okay? When Nicodemus received the Holy Spirit, even though he wasn't baptized washed, he was blood washed by faith. When Peter began to preach the gospel to, to sorry, Cornelius, not Nicodemus, Cornelius, the scripture says that as he was preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all of Cornelius' house and they were all Gentiles. 
and they began speaking in tongues. And Peter and his company of Jewish believers were astounded that the Holy Spirit was poured out on Gentiles. Then Peter explained to all of his friends, now I know that God is not a respecter of persons, but if anyone believes on the Son, they will receive the gift of the Spirit. And he really got a hard time from the the Jewish brothers back in Jerusalem. He had to go back and explain, you know, what were you doing in a Gentile's house? And he told them, I was sent there by God and God poured out his spirit on them. He's receiving Gentiles through their faith, just like us. And they had no argument. What do you mean? Well, they were praying tongues like we did at Pentecost. Who am I to resist God? See? The greatest gift besides salvation is the indwelling Holy Spirit in your heart, in your spirit. You are now a part of God. Do you know Jesus does nothing without his church being involved for all eternity now? Everything that Jesus does includes you and me. Because he's one with us and we're one with him. In John chapter 14, he says, If any man loves me, he will obey my commandments and my father will love him and we will abide in him. We will make our home in him or her. We, plural. Now, we use the term baptism in the Holy Spirit, but that's not actually in the Scripture. Scripture calls it filled with the Spirit. But the Pentecostal movement, the Pentecostal denomination is actually named after that event in Acts chapter 2. Peter and the apostles never took a vote again. And this is important. When... When Barnabas and Saul were called to ministry, they didn't guess, they didn't vote, they didn't take a psychological assessment. They fasted and prayed until the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. You see, back with Matthias, they took a vote because the Spirit wasn't indwelling them yet. But when it came to calling Timothy and Paul and Barnabas, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke. In the church today, I guarantee you about half of the Western church pastors have been appointed by boards or elders. They would have to present a resume and then they need to get approval from the board. That's not how God appoints leaders in his church. And this is why so many pastors are living under this fear if they offend anybody who's on that board, they could lose their pastorate. 
And so, unfortunately, many of them find themselves in a compromising position because they've been democratically elected and not theocratically chosen. And that puts the power back into people's hands and not God. You know, if God has called you to lead, he will get people to follow you. That's part of his anointing. See, even though Barnabas and Paul were both apostles, they both had people who knew that the Lord had anointed them. They witnessed it in their spirit. That's the only way leadership should be appointed in the church, through fasting, through prayer. This is why Paul told Timothy, don't lay hands suddenly and call someone to leadership unless you know the Holy Spirit for sure is calling them. So that indwelling of the Spirit acts as a witness. And what I wanted to do this evening at this Pentecost, as I did earlier in the morning service, I want you to re-establish that communication line on the simple things in your life. Don't start asking the Lord to tell you about major decisions. Because if you're not faithful in the little things, if you're not faithful, when you ask him, what do I say? Don't say anything unless he tells you. What do I do, Lord? Don't do anything unless he tells you. Where do I go, Lord? Don't go anywhere unless he shows you. Simple things like that. Learn how to hear him say no as much as he says yes. Try that one. Can the Holy Spirit trust you with a no? It's hard, especially when you want something really bad. Can he trust you with Shutting your mouth. Ooh, I'm seeing some faces right now. <laughs> I'm in that category. I often want to say something and the Lord said, don't you say a word. And there's times when I say it anyway and I get into trouble for it. But you, you want him to trust him with big things? You can't stay still when he says, be still and know that I am God. Very practical, right? But they're the things that build a relationship that eventually he entrusts you with your heart and the hearts of people he's sending you to minister to. Yeah? So the indwelling of the Spirit makes us, as, as Peter says, we are partakers of the divine nature through the indwelling, the living of the Holy Spirit. I want to close with this and I'm going to let Nate come up. God never calls an angel his son. Yet you are sons. Paul said, God sent the spirit of his son 
into our hearts so that we may cry, Abba, Father. We have been born of God. You get that? You've got to get this. We are born of God. We have been begotten of God. Peter says we are begotten of incorruptible seed. Angel, angels are not born of God. That's why in, in the Psalms, David says that who is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you would consider him? You made him a little lower than the angels. Every human being that is not in Christ Jesus is a little lower than the angels. In Christ Jesus, you are much higher than the angels. You're right up there in the throne where God is. Do you get it? With principalities and powers subject to you in accordance to you being subject to Christ. Because now, the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we have been lifted to the throne of God. On this Pentecost, remember how God indwelling us has exalted us to his right hand above the principalities and powers in Christ. You've got to get that picture. You're no longer a little lower than the angels. Some of us feel a little lower than everybody else. But that's not true. God paid the ultimate price to get his spirit inside of us. Trust me, once you get to understand the Lord's voice, the voice of the spirit, you are on the road to victory and recovery. He is a wonderful counselor, a wonderful comforter, a wonderful teacher, a powerful healer, always speaks truth in love. Always has yours and your brother or sister's interests at hand. Always, always, always selfless. Full of wisdom. Full of power. Full of compassion. Just simply asking the Holy Spirit, what do I do? What do I say? Where do I go? Could be such a next step for your victory. Amen? Would you commit 
to the Lord by His grace. As Dr. Robin says, don't do anything in your life until you've sat in the counsel of the Holy Spirit. If you don't feel like He's said anything, then don't do anything. Sometimes He wants to see how much you want to know. How much do you want Him to be a part of your life? Is He worth a few hours of seeking? Or do we always want that instant microwave answer? Yeah? Come on up, mate. Amen. So we're going to tag team. I'm just going to cap it off. He gives you all the theology. I'm going to give you the process. Just quickly go to Acts 2. I was seeking the Lord on this scripture and he just pointed out something to me and just revolutionized my thinking. I'm like, okay, now I get it. Acts 2 verse 1. And I think this will be a key for a lot of us who are in that season of feeling like you're waiting. Who feels like you're waiting for something? Who feels like you're waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for an answer, waiting for a movement, maybe a seasonal shift? Okay. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Here's my revelation. The Holy Spirit doesn't land on anything that's not one. Please catch what I just said. He doesn't land on anything that's not one. What that means is 10 days after Jesus had gone, there would have been a lot of emotional frenzy. He's gone. What do we do? He said He's coming. And people would have been trying to go here and there and there would have been a lot of opinions and a lot of suggestions and a lot of arguments and a lot of ideas. And until they all got in one accord, there was no visitation. I'm going to speak to the married couples. Nothing you do is blessed until you do it together as one. A dove does not land on something that's in frenzy, in disagreement. Roommates, nothing you do until you're one. Friends, nothing you do until you're one. You want the dove to land, you want the fire to come, get in one accord. Because that's what the Lord had to do with us. We were ready. Things were ready, but we weren't in one accord. And he spent a good six weeks locating what was keeping us from being in one accord. And the moment we sat down and nutted it out and got in one accord, the breakthrough came the next day. 
Sorry, I'm not yelling. I'm passionate. All right? Come on, this is a real, real answer for your life. Lord, why aren't my prayers working? Because your heart's not in one accord with your soul. Your soul's not in one accord with your emotions. No congruence. Church, go back to season casting. Go back to season casting. Mouth, mind, heart, confession, all in one accord. Oh Lord, I believe you. Oh Lord, but no, you ain't getting no dove. It's going to be a new saying. You want a dove? Get in one accord. Let me show you in Scripture. At the Mount of Babel, at the Tower of Babel, they were in one accord. But it was via a spirit that was not God's. And isn't it interesting how when they get in one accord, they start speaking the language that they were speaking at the Tower of Babel. Superbook points that out. The restoration takes place. And the Lord says, see, now because of my spirit, this is what I wanted in the start. I didn't want, I'm not scared of you being in one accord. I just don't want you doing it via another spirit. Don't let your anger put you in one accord. Don't let your resentment put you in one accord. Don't let your rejection put you in one accord. Get the Holy Spirit and let His Spirit put you in one accord. This is the key. Too many things are trying to make us one. But the Spirit of God, hurt, depression, all this stuff, anxiety, fear. Oh, let's fear in common. No. You want a dove to visit your house? Get in one accord. That's my word for you tonight. Pastor Robin, I've stirred you. Come on up. My, <laughs> my, Pastor Tony asked me to come and share something. There's really, really just one thing that I can say to you, and that is, Father, you do not work with. Jesus, you do not work with. But Holy Spirit, you do work with. That's why you should celebrate today. Because God made it that way. That He would not work with you. He would tell you His will. Jesus would give you His love and authority. But He sent the Holy Spirit. And that's why we should celebrate it. That's why the world does not want to celebrate it. Because you can only work with the Holy Spirit. We always think, you know, wrongly, and we need to start thinking right. Need to start thinking each one has a work to do. But the work of the Holy Spirit is the activator of everything else. Don't say, Jesus, work with me. He's going to say, no, work with the Holy Spirit. Father, please work with me. No, I sent my, my son. He went, 
He came and then he went again. And now work with my spirit. You see, you don't like to work with the spirit because the spirit's unpredictable. You can't predict him. You can predict God's love. You can predict God's love because he said he loves you. He called you to be his son. You can work with Jesus, predict Jesus because he came. God sent him, he came. But the Holy Spirit is so unpredictable. And you're so predictable. That's why the devil hates the Holy Spirit. He can't predict him. You see, he knows the Father's declared from the beginning he loves. That's already been predicted. He loves. He won't stop loving you even when you let go as long as you don't walk away. Jesus came to die. So that's been predicted. That's been prophesied. That's already been fulfilled. But the work of the Holy Spirit can't be predicted. It can't be predicted. And I, I mentioned something about when you are the tail, you're not even going to get the Holy Spirit to speak to you because he only speaks to the head, the head of the situation. If you're going under and letting someone be the head of it, the world be the head. If you're letting anyone be the head that doesn't even know Jesus, why the heck would the Holy Spirit speak to them? Please see this. You're going to go in there and you're going to expect the Holy Spirit to believe, to speak to an unbeliever. He only rebukes them. He don't speak to them. Every time he speaks to them, it's a rebuke. You get it? But the Holy Spirit is the one we should celebrate today. Because no one wants to celebrate the Holy Spirit. And yet the Holy Spirit is the one that God sent and filled us. Filled us. He activates everything. But not when we're ready. And not when we predict. Only when He's ready. So if you at any time think you've got, you know what the Holy Spirit's doing, I'd suggest you stop doing that. Because he'll turn around and do something totally different. You won't know a thing that he predicts. He will not show you because he will not allow himself to be predicted. That's why, Pastor, you have to have a relationship with him. 
so you can talk with him and walk with him. It's the only thing I can say to you. He's trying to say something. The Father's will is trying to be opened up for something in your life, but you're not cooperating. Maybe it's through pain. Maybe it's through hurt. Maybe it's through fear. Did you ask the Holy Spirit in the beginning? Did he want to be involved? Or did you ask him, what do you want to say, Holy Spirit? Because sometimes that's what we do. Do you want to be involved, Holy Spirit? Do you want to be involved? No, I don't. I want to lead it, but I don't want to be involved in it. There's a very big difference, church, a very big difference. When God's speaking, he's telling the Holy Spirit he wants a certain thing done. Do we get that? We think that we sometimes speak directly to him. Maybe we do occasionally, but not all the time. We work with his messenger, the Holy Spirit. And you would be better to just ask him straight out, what's best? I thought I knew what's best. Really, what I think is not a bad thing. But maybe God wants the Holy Spirit to relay something else to you. I think one of the biggest things that I would just testify about is that he wants family. God wants family. Anything that stops people from being family, God will get the Holy Spirit to sort out really quickly. I just don't know how he'll do it, but he'll do it. Because he sent his son to bring his family home. And the Holy Spirit has a commission to do that very thing. That's who you work with. So why don't we uh, maybe look at some of the things that mightn't be happening and say, are you trying to get a message to me, Holy Spirit? You're trying to tell me I stepped out of the council. If that's the case, then I suggest you come back into the council of the Holy Spirit. There's always room in his presence. Please do that. Because one of the things the Lord did with my family, he said, you miss each other too much. You're like ships in the night. One going this way and one going that way. Why would I give you, why would I do something that makes you more ships in the night? 
I want your attention. I'm only going to give you something that makes you family. That's my testimony. That's what he's done. He's given us a place that makes us family. It's up to you. You can give him the glory, guys. Give him the glory. Give him the glory. Because he has been commissioned to do the work. And he will do the work. He will do the work. Be assured of that. You might fight him. But in the end, you'll come around. I can tell you that now. But can I give you some advice? Don't fight him. Because it hurts when you resist. It hurts. But the moment you surrender, he can't open the door quick enough. Once you give up your way of doing things, you'll turn around, give it to him and watch how quickly he opens doors and how quickly he closes them. Work with the Holy Spirit. Celebrate him today. God loves the Holy Spirit. That's why I won't let him be blasphemed. Because he loves the Holy Spirit. Why? Why of all people, of all of the Godhead, is the Holy Spirit more persecuted? More than Jesus. Jesus was persecuted. But the church persecutes the Holy Spirit. The church persecutes the Holy Spirit. You mentioned speaking in tongues. That's one of the big persecutions, not taking the gift that God has given. His precious Holy Spirit gave each and every one of us his language. Each and every one of us was given gifts by who? By the Holy Spirit. Hmm? Each and every one of us. Holy Spirit is the most persecuted part of the Godhead. Everybody loves God. You can be universal and love God. You can love God of anything you want. They even apply Jesus as a prophet. But the Holy Spirit, the church itself, the church is supposed to love the Lord Jesus Christ, love God and love the Holy Spirit, persecutes the Holy Spirit. So today I would suggest the one God has given you to work with is the one you should celebrate today, the Holy Spirit.
maybe we could stand and celebrate him. Wow, your words, Pastor. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just want to read Jesus' words here. That word there um, in the Greek is um, when he says they are in one accord, the word there is actually homo in the Greek. One, the same. It's where we get the other word from. Interesting. I just want you to understand this, this dynamic of what Pastor Robin said, what Pastor Tony said, what I've said. I feel in my spirit there's a lot of breakthrough waiting to come, a lot of visitation. And the answer is to work with the Holy Spirit. The answer is to let Him lead, not follow. The answer is to get in one accord. I really, really feel from the Spirit, I need to address married couples in the room. There's too much disunity. And this is what the Lord is saying. I'm speaking prophetically now. You're not in one accord. And so things are not being blessed. And like I said, a dove does not land on anything that is not at peace with itself. So I just want to pray that what Pastor Robin has said, that as married couples, we will work with the Holy Spirit to allow us to have the unity of the Spirit. Pastor Tony's preached on uniformity and unity of the Spirit. We don't want to find pain in common, hurt in common, anger in common, rebellion in common, offence in common. Those are things that like the Tower of Babel, make us one in the wrong way. And God will come down and He will disperse our language once again until we get in the unity of the Spirit. And then we'll speak the same language. This is the key. We need to be one. He says in John 17, uh, 24, that they may be one like you and I, Father, are one. And when the Holy Spirit landed on Jesus, when the Father opened up the skies and said, this is my Son, that was one, two, three in alignment. That was God's way of saying, right, see Him. I'm in agreement with Him. My Spirit's in agreement with Him. Listen to Him. There's no disunity here. There's no competition. We're all working as one. So Holy Spirit, we just honour You tonight. This message, Lord, we are one. Let us become one again with Your Spirit. Lord, we've tried to maybe lead in certain places where we need to, Lord, let You lead as the God of, of, as Pastor Robin calls You, that creative name, God the Spirit. Come and lead in our life. 
Let us become one again in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our mind, in our hearts, in our beliefs, so that total congruence can flow, so that you can activate that energy within us and a free flow can be given to you so that you can do what you do, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are God on this earth. And today, not many churches choose, but we choose to recognise who we work with. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, Father God, that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our wonderful counsellor. He's our friend. He's that voice that brings us back to conviction. He doesn't condemn us, but He woos us with His counsel. Let us respond to that voice tonight in our hearts once again. And Lord, where there's areas of disunity in our houses, in our jobs, in our um, homes, Lord, in our workplace, Father, in our relationships, Lord, in our marriages, Lord, in our parenting, Lord, get us to be one once again. We thank You and we praise You. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show His goodness and love, and our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the talk message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your talk app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with Him and His Spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.